Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. Hey everybody, how's it going? Y'all, it is episode 52. What? An entire year of me creating this podcast for you. An entire year of developing a big old body of intellectual property, a platform of thought leadership. And it's crazy because in some ways I feel like I've been doing the podcast for forever. And in other ways, I feel like I just started. It's a fun land to play in. So for today, I just wanted to do a short and sweet episode with my three biggest lessons learned from a year of podcasting, which really comes down to an exploration of thought and industry leadership and legacy creation. I know those sound like big, meaty, juicy topics, but like that's the land we're playing in, in entrepreneurship. So for those of you without a podcast, worry not. You can take today's episode and apply it to whatever platform you're using. And they're the kinds of things that as you scale your business, you'll return to at deeper and deeper levels. The first one, which is so massive for new entrepreneurs in particular, is that there is no such thing as a scarcity of ideas. I remember when I first started my podcast, I worried that I was going to run out of stuff to talk about. I worried that I wouldn't have enough to say. I thought I was going to run out of topics. I knew that I was a really deep thinker. It's one of my superpowers as a coach and also made me really effective at running the large business strategy teams when I was an employee. But I had a belief that I wasn't a quote unquote ideas person. Okay. It was a sort of identity I had taken on as an employee because I was really good at developing strategy and managing the teams that would tactically deliver. But as an employee, when I was an employee, the vision of what I developed the strategy for was always passed down from the CEO. The big idea always came either from the CEO or from whatever executive I was working with. And so while I believed I had really good ideas, I also believed that I didn't have an abundance of them. Like I was just a big ideas person as my identity that was constantly just swimming around in options. But actually, the moment I realized that I had just mistakenly taken on this identity of like not being a visionary, not being an ideas person from my time as an employee, and I just plopped it out of my brain and put it to the side, and I stepped into this arena... I have never had a lack of ideas for this podcast. It's interesting how that happens, right? In fact, it's often been quite the opposite. Sometimes you guys will notice my ideas are so big and so meaty that I create entire mini series for you guys, right? Did the one around money, did the one around selling. And I have pages of ideas for episodes that I still have slated to create. It was a completely unfounded belief about myself that I had just taken on from being an employee and hadn't shaken off. If you are an entrepreneur, you are an ideas person. You are a visionary. Your business is an idea. Your marketing is a series of ideas. Your strategy is an idea. Every single innovation and solution that entrepreneurs have birthed into our physical world started as an idea in their mind. And so start to notice if your brain tells you it doesn't know what to say or that it doesn't have any ideas and start to get curious about what's under that. Sometimes 
It's just a simple mistaken identity thing like I had. And another one I often see is when people have spent their whole lives not allowing themselves to take up space with their own original thoughts. It can just at first feel like you don't have any ideas. I want you to think of it like in the spring when you turn on the hose. Those of us that have homes, right? You go outside, it's been winter, it's springtime, and you turn on the hose for the first time after the winter. In order for you to get the water, a system that has just been dormant has to activate. The system is there, all the pipes and everything, all of it is there ready to just get turned on and activated. But the water has to come from a ways away and fill the entire hose before you're able to use it. And if you didn't know that that was how the hose is after a winter, you might turn the spigot and wait a couple seconds. And then you, if you didn't know like, oh, there's just a system here and it's been a while since it was used and I've just got to keep the spigot on and then the water comes, right? If you didn't know that's how the world worked, you would turn it on and after a couple seconds, you could be like, oh, wait, there's nothing here and you could turn it off, all right? That would be a mistake. Your brain would be mistaken thinking that it was broken and turning it off. But I see a lot of new entrepreneurs do this with their ideas. They turn the figurative hose on and they wait a few seconds. And then when the river of ideas doesn't immediately just flow, right? Like an abundant, I don't know, right? Like flow of water, they turn the valve off. They, they have a mistaken idea that, that like they just don't have ideas. And so when they make that mistake, rather than keeping the spigot on and waiting for that system inside of them to activate and cultivating the activation of that system, right? This is activating your inner wizard, right? If you don't take the time to do that, what you see so many new entrepreneurs do is they just like, they open their Instagram or their social media, and then they just try to find people who are successful in whatever it is that they're trying to do. And then they just try to mimic or copy that person's material because they have a mistaken belief that they don't have good ideas. When really they just needed to be patient with themselves while they were in the process of activating a system that they are 100% wired for, but it's just laid completely dormant for them for so long that it might just take a minute. It might take a bit of time to really come online do not turn the valve off and walk away. Allow yourself whatever time you need to come online to get the ideas flowing. And when the ideas are first starting to flow, really pay attention to how your internal manager is managing you in that process. Remember, your internal manager is that voice inside your head your self-dialogue. And as an entrepreneur, that voice will either motivate and inspire you, have you jumping out of bed in the morning, or it will slow you down or shut you down. And so think about the way you would manage a new employee who is totally fresh and new into a position and trying their best at something new. And let's just say their quality of work isn't at the level you want it to be at, but you know that that employee's potential and drive is there. How would you want to speak to that person? How would you want to manage that person to help them grow and learn more quickly? And then come back and audit the way that you're managing yourself, right? Like look at, okay, if you have an idea of how you would manage an employee, 
Come back. Are you doing that exact same thing to yourself in your own mind every single day, all day? Because another pattern I coach on a lot is people who say they have no ideas, but when pressed, it turns out their brain did have ideas and then their internal manager just shit all over them and said that their ideas were stupid and said that their ideas weren't good enough and said that, you know, like, and then that, that person's then nitpicking at their copy. They're saying it's not good enough. They're saying, right, but there's no bar even. There's no criteria that's been given about what qualifies as good enough. And that's when you really want to look at, like, that's an internal management problem that really needs to be dealt with in order for you to thrive within entrepreneurship. Okay. And here's the last thing I will say about idea scarcity. I see some entrepreneurs with really good ideas, like extremely strong thought leadership or concepts that would inject pure fire into their social media. But they say they want to save it for when their audience gets bigger. It's a little bit like they don't think the right clients are there right now, so they don't want to waste their genius ideas which comes down to a fundamental lack of belief in who is in your audience. So if that's like what's going on, you have to think about if you believe they're not there, right? So you're saving all your best material. How are you showing up for your your audience right now? Your thoughts never lie. Your thoughts are always creating the amount of money that's coming through in your bank account, right? But the projections that that person is making, and then from that thought error of scarcity of people, they trigger their of ideas. Like they've got to hold on to their best marketing ideas until they have the right people. And what's so interesting is that what underpins that thought pattern as well is that your current best, right? Like your current best marketing marketing idea is the best you'll ever be. Like there's no belief in your ability. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to throw out my best material. And I know that I'm just the person who will create something better. Right. So just notice if you're hoarding or holding on to ideas because you think it's like your best thing and you've got to save it for something. Right. Because if you want to think about where thought leadership comes from, you give your best ideas and then you recognize that you are the person that's always going to create better and better material. My husband and I often watch stand-up comedy, and it's funny because the more I watch comedy, the more I think comedians, like the master comedians, and coaches are kind of doing the exact same thing for society in completely different ways. Like what happens when a comedian opens you up with a joke and you're laughing is that they then come in with laser-sharp precision and insert a new idea or perspective in. And because the state of your brain, if when you're laughing, you are more open to adopting or considering that different viewpoint. Maybe I'll do a podcast on that sometime. Add it to my list of like 800 other episodes. But I just find it so interesting how the brain works. But start to notice when you watch comedy, that's exactly what they're doing. But anyway, one time, my husband and I were watching this television special called Talking Funny. Because you guys know, I like to find the best in class of every industry and watch their brains, right? If what I'm doing is teaching people how to think, I have to understand how masters of craft think across industries. And so this television special, it was Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K., Chris Rock, Ricky Gervais, and oh man, I think there was one more guy and I'm totally not remembering right now. Anyway, you know, like some of the top of the top in that industry. 
And so as I'm watching these guys, it was so useful to just spend an hour listening to, they weren't just talking about the industry of comedy. They were literally talking about how they come up with their jokes, how they come up with their material, how they think about the industry. And one of the things Louis C.K. said, and this special was made before his scandal a year or two ago, um, but he talked about how every single time he goes out on tour, he starts the show with his finale from his last show. Do you see what that does, right? He starts his new tour with his finale from his last tour. And if you think about comedy, if you think about any sort of entertainment, what is the finale? But the absolute best and brightest bit that exists. And so what happens when he challenges himself to start his next tour with his absolute best, right? He starts with the finale from the last show is that every single thing he creates after that has to come from the baseline of his absolute best to date. And when you believe in yourself and your ability and your craft and you marry it with the discipline to constantly raise your baseline and what you're capable of, you will continually produce content that is the best content you've ever created. And what happens when you hang on to your scarcity beliefs, right, of your ideas like, oh, I've got to hang on to them because the right people aren't here yet or, you know, I'm not doing this launch yet or I'm not at this point yet, right? When you operate from a fundamental thought error, rooted in scarcity is that you hoard your ideas and you block the flow of creation. You block the flow of getting better. There is no scarcity of ideas. There will always be new innovations, new opportunities that arise. And the more we keep that valve on and allow the flow, the greater our work in the world gets. The next one, which I've already touched on briefly, is that thought leadership is commanded, not Earned. And I want to maybe like even using the word thought leadership might not work for you guys. Like if you're earlier on in your business, because if somebody, let me be real, if I was just starting my business and someone was talking about thought leadership, I'd be like, yeah, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm just trying to sign a client, right? But I want you to think about the relationship between you as the business owner and your audience. You are commanding energetic leadership of your space. And so if the word thought leadership doesn't resonate, I just want you to think about the relationship that you believe you have with your audience. And this is an area where semantics and language matter. So let me explain what I mean, okay? One of the biggest transitions you will make on your journey of entrepreneurship is that you don't need anybody's permission to do anything. I mean... Maybe you have to fill out a few forms with the state to legally operate. But beyond that, it's pretty open. But when you've spent a lifetime turning assignments into the teacher and getting a grade and then relying on feedback from your boss as an employee, this is a very well-trodden neural pathway in your brain. I've had so many clients, even at the six-figure level, feel like they need permission in order to make a big decision in their business. You will see this all the time in Facebook groups online where new business owners, they're trying to crowdsource their decision, right? They'll post like four pictures of themselves and they'll be like, which one's the best? Or they'll like ask people how much they should be charging or, oh my gosh, the worst, right? Putting polls out on your social media, asking people what your offer should be like trying desperately to gain confidence in what people might buy because their own belief is so low, 
when the work, when the actual work is dissolving that entire thought pattern from its root, right? The entire like thinking that you need anyone's permission or anyone's validation to do anything. That's what's happening, right? They're just taking that employee thought pattern that they used to apply to the management team and they're bringing it in and they're either applying it to their audience and asking their audience for permission or asking their audience for validation or they're trying to hire a coach or a guru or a program, right? To have someone tell them what to do so that they can feel confident. But what the work is, is dissolving that entire thought pattern from its root so that the crowdsourcing of decisions and waiting for your audience to be excited about your offer in order for you to be excited and, you know, wanting to buy the courses or like if your decision, if you're trying to hire a coach in order to have that certainty, the coach's first job is going to be to get you to have your own certainty, right? And thought leadership is a major part of scaling your service-based business. And guess what? You don't need anybody to anoint you. You don't need somebody to boop you with a magic wand. The decision to be a thought leader has to come from deep within you. And then from that deep well of belief, you fucking command it in the marketplace. And you don't command it for like three days. And then if you don't see a response, you decide to go back. <laughs> right? It's like you activate it from deep within yourself and you're like, oh, and we're not done until we're done. Okay. And to be super clear, commanding means assuming your leadership position, ascending to your leadership position. Commanding does not have to look like a military general barking orders. I want you guys to think about this. Kindergarten teachers masterfully command their classroom, okay? How you command will depend totally on your unique character traits and your energy. I have big fiery energy, so I'm loud and I'm big and I'm colorful and that feels deeply within me. I actually, I'm just going into ads for the first time. We're starting to run ads to- to my podcast. And so I found like some of the best of the best of clips. And then in every single one of them, I'm cursing. (laughs) So I like asked my ads person, like, oh, I think we need to probably bleep that out. She's like, yep, you're going to need to bleep that out. I'm like, okay, but that's me, right? Like when I get into when I'm making a big point, it's just what expresses out of me. And that's very unique. And it's and it's authentic to me. But you might your fullest expression might look completely opposite from that. So if your brain has an idea of what a leader looks like and tells you that you're not it, you just haven't asked your brain to find examples of people like you leading powerfully. You are a leader. You have incredible things to contribute to your industry in a way that only you can. But you have to first take command of that decision within yourself to firmly decide that you are a leader and innovator in your industry and then taking responsibility for moving the marketplace. A lot of you are waiting for permission from your audience to believe in the value of your offer and how it works is literally the opposite. They aren't buying because you are showing up and marketing from a wishy-washy energy in an energy of trying 
to people please or get them to like you because your brain has an employee brain pattern running that you need to get approval. And instead of running it, looking for your boss to say, okay, your brain has now just started overlaying that brain pattern, those neural pathways that are familiar to it, and it's applied them to the audience. That manager relationship dynamic, right? Where you're just trying to convince or win the approval of your audience. If you're doing that, it will not work in business. Your success in entrepreneurship is dependent on you commanding it. So if you're approaching things from the energy of needing to earn it or feeling like you need to convince people or thinking like you need to like smile and say, okay, and please people, none of those (laughs) are energies that will make you much money. You have to go back into the root of your brain and dissolve the entire compulsion in order to step into thinking like an entrepreneur, in order to ascend into your leadership position from a place that feels really authentic and empowered and free in your body, okay? Me starting this podcast was me putting my chips in on assuming my position as a thought leader. I knew I was seeing things in a way nobody else was seeing them from my studies in sociology in college and deeply understanding how groups of people influence and impact each other, their thoughts, right? From my time running and scaling so many different business units by millions of dollars in my job as an employee, and even my time serving as a volunteer teacher in a little village in Namibia, right? I had this unique set of experiences that gave me a really powerful perspective on the world and on business. And I knew that they could help people and I was committed to making it work. I didn't start it to like see if maybe it would work. I committed like, yes, I am taking responsibility that this will work to creating the interest and the desire for it within the marketplace, stemming first and foremost from me, commanding that position within myself and letting everything else ripple out from there. Now, the last one sort of segues from that and it's this. You have barely scratched the surface of your potential. Once you command that position of leadership within yourself, once you activate that wizard within you, and if you don't get the reference, go back and listen to episode 37 on it's the wizard, not the wand. Once that part is done, you are pure rocket fuel. Seriously, I want you to do a quick mind audit right now. In the past 30 days, What percentage of your time was spent doubting or being worried or feeling confused or having anxiety about what might happen or ruminating and overthinking about what you should or could do? A lot of people think their lack of results is based on some external thing, their industry, where they live, their niche, how old they are, whatever. And sure, some of those things maybe could be factors, but they aren't deciding factors unless you decide to let them be. Things are only deciding factors over your success when you allow them to have control over you. And when you activate your inner wizard and take command over your own mind, the percentage of your time in useful emotional states, like feeling energized, empowered, and inspired, greatly increases. And perhaps more importantly, even when you don't feel that way, right? Like even when you don't feel that great, you have command over yourself in a way that you are able to show up no matter what. And when that's your baseline, you know that you have your own back and that your ability to work won't be at the whim of whether or not you feel like it, right? 
(laughs) and you make goals that make you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit and you have the tenacity to go after them with full heart and passion until it's fucking done, it is so insane what happens. I never in a million years, like growing up in all of my years, I never believed this life that I currently have was possible for me. And to be super clear, I've built all of this through patches of disbelief, patches of feeling super scared, patches of feeling like everybody hates me and I'm deeply unworthy. But I scoop myself up and I carry myself through it and I keep going tenderly and powerfully. When I started this podcast one year ago, I had just transitioned from $6,000 to $10,000 coaching packages. And I was working with people, I was only working with people one-on-one. I hadn't even decided to launch a group one year ago. Now, one year later, I've just closed out my one-on-one coaching practice, working with seriously badass established entrepreneurs at $20,000 packages. And I run one of the top business masterminds in the industry the difference of a year. I have a client in the last round of my mastermind that came in shakily selling $2,000 packages and ended the round being fully booked and selling $8,000 packages. Another client who had never made more than $36,000 ever as an employee ended her first year as an entrepreneur making $100,000 selling intuition and connection to your inner voice. If you had shown me today one year ago I would be a little bit surprised. One year ago, I hadn't walked any clients from start through to their first six figures. And now I've not only walked many clients through that, but I've helped clients scale from $6,000 months to consistent $100,000 launches into high multiple six-figure businesses. In just uh, the past year, in order to reach your potential, you need to live in possibility. But employees have not been trained to live in possibility. When employees go into the realm of possibility, they tell themselves they feel delusional. They have been trained to live in probability. Seriously think about the process you went through in high school. You would meet with a guidance counselor, right? This was, this was the idea in the school system of like, this sounds good. This is how we're going to help you plan your future. You're going to meet with a guidance counselor and tell them what you want to study or what jobs sound interesting, and they would tell you the average salaries of positions you could expect to get, okay? That's the mindset that people in positions of power above you taught you to have. (laughs) Here's the average, here's what's probable, shoot for that. And to be super clear, I'm not shitting on the guidance counselors. Those people I'm sure are lovely people but they are living in the system of employees, okay? So they're living in the system of probability. So it's not like they're gonna be guiding students into the world of possibility, okay? They're living in the system of probability and avoiding failure and waiting for approval from those above you to move up in the world. System that's like we've totally left behind in entrepreneurship. In order to reach your potential as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to leave all of that behind to exchange it for living and breathing into constant expansion and possibility. To close this episode out, I want to end with a powerful quote. It is from Marianne Williamson, who's a spiritual leader. And so if you are not spiritual, I want you to replace God with universe or your own free will or tenacity or whatever you believe guides you. Okay? Our deepest fear 
is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be gorgeous, fabulous, talented? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Liberation, it's a beautiful thing. Shine on you crazy diamonds, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.